Ding dong, the witch is dead. Or on life support, next on Principles and Policies. Welcome to today's edition of Principles and Policies. I'm your host, Barry Sheets, the Executive Director of the Institute for Principled Policy. And along with me today is our co-host, the Vice Chairman of the Institute, my fellow analyst and very good friend, Chuck Michaels. Barry, it's very good to be back with you here in the studio looking out the window. Uh, We are recording this on Thursday, uh, October 7th for the uh, October 10th program. Um, That's 2020. Um, it is beautiful out here. This yes, is the kind is. of day that makes people, some people say that fall is their favorite season. I'm one of those people. Um, I always also like fall. Uh, and this is the reason why. It's just really starting to come into full color. Uh, nice. And this year we had enough rain. So with yellows and oranges and reds and... Oh, it's beautiful. That are all swirling all over the place right now because we have a nice big We wind, have a nice breeze, big yeah. breeze coming up. <laughs> but a lot of them are hanging on. I was really shocked. I, I uh, We did a big prune back on a couple of apple trees in the yard, uh, hoping to get some decent yield. And right. my gosh, we did. Wow. I think off two trees, we got about 60 apples. Oh, that's great. Um, and uh, which made great uh, apple cobbler. Oh, okay. Um, really did. They were nice. Uh, Green, they're the green type apples okay um and Excellent. they oh boy did we get did we get <laughs> apple cobbler out of it? so i'm not supposed to eat that but my wife made it as low sugar and no wheat as possible and boy was it good oh that's good that's good stuff yeah you know it, that it, fall is my favorite time of year i mean the, you you mentioned a lot of things you know apples I'm a big fan of turnips, so I like getting the turnips in the fall. <laughs> um, the leaves turning the trees. I, not having to mow the grass anymore. Not ha- that's well, always a good thing. I figure we've got at least one left. I'm guessing two. But, yeah. uh, so, uh, and, of course, right now we're kind of experiencing almost what would be considered an Indian summer. I guess it's not PC to say that anymore, but I'm going to say it anyway. Because temperatures are hitting like in the low 80s uh, this week yeah. after a week of being in the 60s. So. Uh, whether or not we're going to get any more good weather or if the wind that's starting to pick up out there is a a precursor of a cold front moving in, which I'm glad when they move in and finally stay in. Uh, As you are well aware of, and I think most of our folks know, I'm a little bit of an outdoors kind of guy. And, and, you know, I love fall. Well, of course, it's deer season, and, you know, it's it's always great to go hunt deer, but I only do it after the first frost because – I frankly don't want to get in the mess of trying to, you know, hang a deer and, Who and, wants and to do be all this a, stuff when, yeah. when the weather's setting here at 80 degrees. Who know? wants to clean deer while you're wearing a pair of shorts? Uh, it's yeah, really, it's, it it's doesn't just, work very well. Yeah. Yeah. Shorts yeah. and a t-shirt is not deer cleaning uh, apparel. But I but I know for some people, you know, that, that the season has opened already. And, and of course, again, fall's another time, great time of year for me because of the other thing that I like to do in life, which is politics. <laughs> And of course, this year's like this is like the Super Bowl of of the um, of the sports world here uh, for politics because we yeah. have a presidential election coming up in less than thirty days now. Chuck, we are we're on the home stretch, as they say. That's it. And you know, last week we talked about. And I mentioned something about October surprises. Well, surprise! <laughs> I think we just got a good one delivered to us. And that oh was boy! Kind of my talk about Ding Dong, the witch is dead, or on life support because. Funny how scripts get flipped, Chuck. Yep. Because a week ago at this time, we had just gone through the debates with uh, Biden and Trump. 
and we kind of try to explain away to everybody why the why Trump actually won that debate, and the fact that no matter what you thought of him, he went in there and executed Plan A to perfection, got Joe Biden to throw his own base under the bus by denying the Green New Deal. Well, now Joe's coming out denying Bernie Sanders. Yes, uh, it, it, it's now gotten to the point even while Bernie is tromping around New Hampshire and other places in the Northeast that you know know him and I can't understand why, but they love him. Um, is trumping for Biden while Biden's out on the West Coast and in the Midwest, basically throwing Bernie Sanders and the idea of socialism under the bus. Problem is, just like with everything else Joe Biden seems to do, he seems to forget there happens to be videos, audios, transcripts, um, documentation yeah. uh, of all these things that he says that he's not doing that he is doing. Like, oh, I don't support the Green New Deal, but if you go to look at my campaign website, it's right there front and center that I fully support the Green New Deal. I'm repudiating socialism and Joe Biden. Oh, or, I mean, and, and um, uh, Bernie Sanders. Oh, by the way, did I tell you? Bernie Sanders helped write my entire campaign plan for me, for, it, for my policy plan. Okay, a, a picture... Someone who spots a dam leak, so they go up and put their finger in it. Sure. And the dam collapses all around them. But they're, but they're the, still standing yes. there with their finger in Absolutely. the dam. Absolutely. Works just fine. That's where Joe is. Yeah, that's Because probably, yeah. the dam has collapsed. Listen, yeah. what he's trying to do, he, the, the, uh, the poll, the, the, uh, you know, uh, what do they call the polls that they do underneath to see where people's attitudes are? Uh, that they, uh, politicians use to to see how they're going to how the message is going to sort of float out. Well, I can't well, remember what you, it's called. You, well, you do snap polling, you do focus groups. Uh, well, you, you, I here's mean, what he's finding out in his yeah. focus groups: people are like, "Uh, uh-uh, no, no, this isn't going to go." Right. So what is he doing? He now has to repudiate everything that he got nominated on. His running mate. Yes. Uh, you'll notice that she's been quiet as a church mouse right well, she does, up until... She doesn't have much choice because tonight is the night that she has to do her debate against Mike Pence. Unless, of course, I, we find out sometime later, we're recording this in the afternoon, like toward early evening, that all of a sudden she comes down with COVID or something. Well, yeah. and, and Pence, As we know, liberals like to fake COVID in order to get out of things. Just and, remember when Mike DeWine did it when Trump was coming to Ohio. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, of course, Mike Pence has said, look, we're not going to play this game of putting up pucks of glass shields between me and her. No, good, good for him, too. Yeah. I mean, honestly, stand on your ground because she made that demand to see exactly if they would uh, accede to it. And, of course... You know, it's a win for her either way. If they don't accede to it, then they don't take the virus seriously. If they do accede to it, then they're admitting that the virus is worse than than, than they're letting on. So, okay. well, you know, he, it's, it, it, she's going to spin that no matter which way it happens. But what he's now done is basically said, no, you don't get to set the tone of the debate. Well, look, uh, 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 I think Pence has, has uh, learned something from his boss, uh, and that is that, look, you are... Uh, you lose if you win, you lose if you lose. So go in and, and basically do a little bit of scorched earth. Um, the fact is, now Pence is a better debater than Trump. Uh, just no doubt about that. It, it's more of his his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, although he didn't stand up very, very tightly when he had a DOMA in his state and they suddenly turned it into a, uh, a uh, an ENDA. 
Right. Uh, if you don't know what that means, Defensive Marriage Act, essentially, and they turned it into a an, employment non-discrimination an, an employment non-discrimination act. And why they do it? The Chamber of Commerce. Now, if you uh, if you didn't pay attention, we talked extensively about the Chamber of Commerce. I think it was on the last show. Yeah, I think it was too. It would would have been the show for the third uh, mm-hmm. for October third, twenty twenty. Go back and listen to it because we've sort of eviscerate the Chamber of Commerce. And you'll find out why giving into the Chamber of Commerce for Republicans is turning out to have been a very bad deal. Well, and I think what's happening is is that uh, you you see this happen every once in a while, Chuck, where the political landscape starts shifting, okay? And it shifts because of major influential moves. Of course, what you know, we saw this this shift happen in the '60s when the civil rights movement came up. And all of a sudden, the Democrat Party became the party of all of a sudden of all these individual rights, right? When before, they were the party of the KKK. But that's because they saw that the trend in the culture in the community was moving toward civil rights. And they had to be in front of it. Well, what you're seeing now is, is the trend is moving toward authoritarianism in the culture led by groups like the Chamber of Commerce and the gay rights groups and everything else. And so what's happening? Well, now the Democrats are appealing to the Chamber of Commerce. They're becoming, they're trying to reposition themselves as the party of, not of small business, but the party of corporate oligarchies well a pr- protection protection it's, it's a form of protectionism it's protectionism um it, we, I, i've heard a lot of things said about the democratic party that's honestly unfair um okay you, i'll take yeah, back their mother dresses not, them funny I, i'm not going to say to you because <laughs> you and i've had long discussions about this thing um were there a lot of racists in the Democratic Party? Yes. Were there a lot of racists in the Republican Party? Oh, you betcha. Abraham Lincoln was a was a would have been a top drawer, uh, considered a top top drawer uh, of David Duke type uh, in yeah. in modern times uh, because his idea he tried to convince uh, a guy who I really admire, Frederick Douglass, who was a genius and was essentially self taught. Uh, the guy. Uh, I was just doing a, a thing on, on him, and, and it's a little bit, it, it shows where his mindset was a little bit. And he said, you know, I prayed for and prayed and prayed for years for uh, freedom, and then got no answer, and then prayed with my legs. Well, okay, fine. I, I would like to delve more in, into what he, he actually believed about the Almighty. But the fact is that... that Ra- there was lots of racism to go around. Okay. Now, the party of the KKK, if you, uh, I, I, I'm not going to defend the Democratic Party and the KKK. There's no defense of it. Uh, the right. fact is that that was the dominant party in the South. And the reason it was the dominant party in the South is because the Democrats understood um, limited government and the fact that whether a state or, had the right to secede from the Union or not. Yeah, that's that's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. And Nathan Bedford Forrest, who was pivotal in the um, founding of the KKK, uh-huh. later deeply regretted what he had done, repudiated his position, and went before black groups and gave speeches in which he said, "I deeply regret what I have done. I don't like the fact that I, you know, I once sold yeah. slaves." Um, he did it because 
he had a bunch of slaves and he 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 learned how to sell slaves to make to make money the guy was illiterate although he was a military genius so i you know the thing about uh kk uh, democrat party equals kkk yeah I think you'd find, well, but they, however, they, they were the party of the uh, formation of the KKK. Of the, of the now, plan. of course, just like anything else, I'm sure that you know. Of course, now the meme is from the Democrats that the Republicans and Trump are the party of the KKK. Oh, right. And you know, it's all because we know that there are no black Republicans, right, Chuck? <laughs> Oops. There are no Republicans of color. There are no Republicans of ethnic varieties other than white. European yeah. male, right? The late, the late Herman Cain comes yeah, to mind, well, and the current Ben Carson ben comes Carson. to mind, and a few. And, and of course, I, you know, we're not going to proof text this whole thing. I, yeah, I, you're going back to your little comment about you know I prayed and prayed and I prayed with my legs. Yeah, that that reminds me of the joke. You know, the guy's like, you know, God, help, God, let me give me a yes. million dollars, let yeah, me win yeah, the lottery, yeah. let me win the lottery, and finally hear from the clouds, hey, do me a favor, go and buy a ticket, go buy a ticket. <laughs> well, that's the old joke about the guy who's uh, floating down the flood yeah. on a, on the roof of yes. his house house yes and he keeps praying to god god's god uh, save me from this mess and and you know make make this all stop and a guy comes along in a boat and says hey hop in we'll we'll take you to safety right. and he says no no i'm praying to god he'll 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 bring me yep. he'll he'll yep. bring me to it and he keeps praying and praying another boat comes along and uh um the uh you know the guy says hey come right. on we want to get you out of this there's a you know you're going to crash into a bridge here pretty quick and uh you need to get on oh no god's gonna no, god's, god's, god's gonna be covered god's gonna yep. save me. Yep. don't worry about it and finally just before he hits the bridge maybe a couple miles a, a guy in a helicopter comes along and they lower the rope and climb on board we're, we're going to get you out of here your house is going to be smashed no no god's going to save me i've been praying to god i trust god so finally, what happens? Well, his house smashes into the bridge, and he dies. Yeah, he drowns, yeah. Um, and he gets to heaven, and he, and he says, God, I I prayed and prayed and prayed that you were going to save me from this, this horrible situation. And God says, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. What, you know, what, what, what more could I, I do? <laughs> but, you know, going back around to that, I mean, the whole idea is, is that God works through human agency. And sometimes that human agency forgets that God had to work in the first place for that human agency to actually engage and go do what they were doing. Uh, so, so I can I, I'll give that one a little bit of leeway. But you know, when we're working here with the new stuff going on in this modern era, you've got well, you've got a guy who's running for president who may have actually been in the middle of one of the greatest criminal enterprises against American citizens in this or any generation, Chuck. It's starting to come out now, and I think it's going to come out in even broader strokes, that we know now for a fact from declassified documents from the CIA and the FBI that Former CIA Director John Brennan briefed President Barack Obama directly on the plan to utilize Russian interference and connect it to a candidate for office. That candidate, obviously, was Donald Trump. Whose plan was it, Chuck? We now know from these 
declassified official documents, it was Hillary Rodham Clinton, Donald Trump's opponent in 2016. So Hillary and company have came up with the whole Russian hoax, the dossier, the, the Christopher Steele, MI6 whole model, had John Brennan, the director of the CIA at That's the right. time, in on it, who then went and briefed the sitting president of the United States, and you would have to assume that at some point Joe Biden, the vice president, was briefed upon this as well, of an entire orchestrated plan to utilize American intelligence services, lie to a FISA court to get warrants so that they can conduct domestic surveillance, i.e. we call that eavesdropping, wiretapping, and spying on an American citizen with no actual evidence of any crime. Violating numerous ethics clauses and probably some laws. Oh, more than some. Now, if you were Hillary Rodham Clinton today, you might be a little nervous, right, Chuck? Because what did President Trump... Okay, first of all, you're a little nervous because Donald Trump must be Superman or immortal because he he contracted the most deadly virus that we could ever hope to have on this planet that everybody's going to be screaming and dying from. <laughs> Corpses in the streets. And walked into a hospital in less than 48 hours, walked back out of it, and beat COVID-19. Well, not just walked out. Uh, within 12 hours of leaving the hospital, he was symptom-free. Symptom-free and showing presence of antibodies. Yeah, that's over he's already shown presence of antibodies, which means, by the way, uh, for the narrative that's out there that Chris Wallace, who's, oh, desperately trying to save face, uh, he's attempting to, luck, to restore <laughs> his uh, badly tarnished and rightfully so reputation. Uh he was trying to make it sound like Trump got it at the uh, at the debate, which is laughable for those of us. Look, I, I, I will admit that most of you out there don't have what I have. I have a degree in biochemistry, and I have had some microbiology uh, experience, and biochemistry and microbiology are first cousins, essentially. And um, um, what what we know from that is that Trump was exposed to this thing a couple of weeks ago, most likely, at least ten days before the uh, uh, the uh, the debate. So uh, all this stuff about Trump. Now, as far as him spreading it, sorry, folks. Even the CDC is now admitting after after the panic that there can be symptom free spreaders. No, there can't be. Uh, once the fever has stopped and all the other symptoms have stopped, you are no longer shedding virus. That's the bottom line. This is what we have to understand. Is this thing, is this virus dangerous? Yes, if you're over 80 or if you're under 80 and have multiple comorbidities. Uh, obesity, um, uh, asthma, COPD, um, uh, cancer survivor that has, that has compromised your immune system. There are things that make this dangerous to you. And what should you do about it? Don't go out in public without a mask. What is there a reason, though, that I should be forced to wear a mask out 
No, there isn't. Because this idea that it would protect you if you have those comorbidities, no, it wouldn't, because I have to have the virus to spread it. Uh, that's, that is the logical fallacy. That's, you know, that is the elephant in the room. That is uh, all, all the things out there. The obvious point. The obvious point is you got to have the virus to spread it. Gee, isn't that a funny thing? Because isn't that just basically the case with the vast majority of diseases that you actually have to have the disease in order to spread it? My wife thought she might have it. This is uh, okay. This is months ago. A few months ago, yeah. Um, she had a serious. Uh, she carried a fever. This is a sixty-three-year-old woman carried a, fe- a fever of one hundred and four for six consecutive days. Well, that uh, us oldsters don't get high fevers, right? Unless we're we've got something going true, on. True. True. Um, high fevers are are a hallmark of of young kids. Like babies when they teeth, right? That's um, true. 105 degrees. I can still remember our littlest, our, our oldest daughter, uh, having 105 degree temperature while she was teething. You know, we're panicking because it's our first child, of course. Um, and the doctor's like, "Eh, it happens. Some of them throw a high fever, and the rest of them th- a couple times through fevers, or you know, they get the flu. Well, they th- throw these sure. gigantically bad, ugly fevers." As they get older, they don't do that anymore. Uh, that's true. That's true. Uh, the fevers get less and less and less intense unless you're really sick. Because I, I had, uh, I had a COVID in the '90s. Okay. Uh, I had one of the COVIDs that was floating around. Um, but we all know this didn't really start happening till March. No, there are COVIDs all the time. Uh, the really bad flus are virtually all COVIDs. Um, and uh, I threw as a in my 40s, I threw a temperature of 105 and a half. Okay. And, I mean, we're getting into febrile seizure area, but it didn't last. It would go up that high, and I would be writhing in the bed and, and uh, trying to throw off as many covers as possible. Right. Followed by trying to get as many covers as possible on me. Right. Uh, and writhing in absolute agony pain because it's painful to have temperatures that high and be sick and all that stuff. Okay, that being said... The president really came through this like a trooper, man. They they knew what to do. First of all, they stuck him on vitamin D and zinc. Yes. So, folks, look, if you're worried, go get a decent source, a good, decent natural source of vitamin D. Yes. And get a decent natural source uh, of, you know, a, 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 a highly absorbable form of zinc. Right. And if you don't know, one of the sponsors of this program is Rain Rock Nutritionals. Go to their website. Uh that's where and, I go. There you go. Barry, Barry's one of my customers. Uh, yeah, we carry all that stuff. Um, so, uh, but you know, I'm not telling you it'll cure you. It, I'm, what well, I'm no, saying is, it's a good, it's not, a good you're, support. You're, you're saying that you know you need. Sometimes we need to boost our our body's natural immunities. Yeah. Well, okay. So here we are. So Trump comes in and out of the hospital within 48 hours of COVID. He's now testing for antibodies. He basically showed that this this disease, this the tragic, massive pandemic death bringer, is not as much. Right. And he said basically, don't be scared of this. Don't you know? Don't live in fear. Don't be COVID. dominated. Don't by be it. dominated by it. Yeah. And he's right. But the one thing that he did, and I think the left is screaming that they think he still has a fever, Chuck, <laughs> is that the we're recording this on Wednesday. This happened on Tuesday night. Right. Okay. So Tuesday night, President Trump signed an order requiring the FBI to declassify without redactions 
every document related to the Russia investigation and the probe into Hillary Clinton's email server. Funny thing is, Chuck, they have been requesting this stuff before. Right. And it seems that the FBI and the CIA both have been, eh, shall we say, a little reticent to want to move on this. Now it's an order. Well, let's put it this he's, way. He's made requests before and suggested strongly that they should they need to do this, but they haven't done it. Uh, and so I guess after having COVID and realizing that, you know, life's short, better better make sure we know what's going on. He comes out and he, he demands full transparency. And I mean, he's demanding full it. He's demanding it. Okay, so basically he has decided to authorize the declassification of all those documents. Um, very interesting. Uh, if you're Hillary Clinton right now, your stock price just went into the red. Glad you said that because just as a quick aside, I looked at Netflix uh, stock price yesterday after the indictment in Texas. Yes, uh, through the floor, through the floor. Okay. Of course, because there's a there's enough there to probably put them away on. So. Yeah. So, but that being said, let's look at what actually happened here. What what Trump is saying. Uh, now, first of all, we, we need to get a handle on the current director of the C- CIA is, uh, I can't think of her name. She was direct, She was head of the London office of the CIA. Um, ah. Hang on a second. I've got it here. I'll just pull it up in a second. She was head of the London Sorry. office, which means she has a working, working uh, relationship with MI6. MI6, of course. Now, where did Christopher Steele allegedly come from? Well, MI6. He's an MI6 operative. G- it's Gina Haspel. Gina Haspel. Yeah. Gina Haspel. Gina Haspel is a former uh, head of the office under Obama Yep. of the CIA office in London. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, John Brennan is uh, Barack Obama's former CIA director who reported directly to him the fact that the fact that the yeah. intelligence that the this dossier and the evidence uh, backing it up are ginned up right by the Clinton campaign. Now I don't want you to be too fooled because you hear the term "never Trump." Never Trumpers were in on this at the front. It seems to be the case. Yes. Yeah, they were because I remember when this started coming out. That this was this was Oppo research from some of the. Some of the uh, um, deep state candidates who were running uh, in 16. Okay, that being said, let's go back to this. Um, who is the director of the FBI? Christopher Ray. Christopher Ray. He's a holdover from the Obama, Obama administration. administration. Now, Gina Haspel was demanding that redactions be made to those records. Why? She's protecting not only. Her MI6 sources. She's protecting her internal right. her internal workers who were involved in this attempt at a coup. And the same thing with Ray. Now, if either one of those two still has a job after the election, if Donald Trump is re-elected, I'd be shocked. I'd be. Sh- in fact, uh, Ray, I'm really shocked he still does have a job. I mean, out there saying things like that that uh, um, Antifa is really an idea and not a group. We talked about that last week, too. Go back out to the website 
principledpolicy.com and listen to our show that's posted from 10-3, 10-3-20, because we talk about this, so we won't reiterate it now. But the fact is, this thing stinks to high heaven, and the deeper you get into it, the higher up it goes. Barack Obama knew this was going on. Yep. And still allowed his people to authorize illegal surveillance. Now, yes. what, what is the problem here? The CIA is prevented by law, by law, from doing any spying or investigation of anyone domestically. Domestically. Yeah. Uh, period. They are not permitted. So why is John Brennan going to uh, the President of the United States at the time, Barack Obama? To get the Obama, FBI to do it. Yes. To get the FBI to, to do the dirty work. And who was the director of the FBI? James Comey. James Comey, who was supposedly a Republican. If you recall all this thing, oh, you know, he's a Republican holdover for the in the in the Obama administration. James Comey is a never Trumper globalist. Uh he's a shill. Um when they got him in front of uh um Congress of the Senate here last week. Yes. He basically spent virtually the entire time, even though he was eviscerated at one point. Yes. Uh, and and it became clear that he was lying. Uh, he has now perjured himself over and over and over and over again. But the fact is the FBI was involved. They're not really supposed to do domestic spying except under the FISA warrant. Right. Which was which there were supposedly safeguards in to protect uh, Americans' Fourth Amendment rights. And if you recall, it's all under the Patriot Act. And if you recall under the Patriot Act, don't worry, uh, we've got safeguards in there to protect your Fourth Amendment rights to privacy. How did those turn out to work, Barry? Not so well. And yet we continue to reauthorize the Patriot Act in its current form. In fact, add to it. It's time for the Patriot Act authorizations to stop. To expire. It's it's time to let them go. It's it has done it has exposed no real uh uh, terrorist uh and and the ones that are exposed, the groups that have been labeled terrorists, like Antifa and I'm I'm assuming BLM will soon be on the list if they're not on there now uh, as a terrorist group. Uh, what happens to them? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yep. Uh, these are grotesque violations, grotesque violations of uh, the Constitution, of individual constitutional rights to, to privacy, and now uh, the First Amendment um, attempts to... Uh, um, take away the Second Amendment. Yes. Um, the Third Amendment. You can look that up, and it's uh, the Third Amendment is about housing soldiers in your home. And uh, yes, no one's trying to te- attempt to get you to house soldiers in your home. But there's a general equity question, Barry. As those of us who have studied biblical law for a long time, uh, what's one of the big questions? Oh, you really believe that uh, you shouldn't eat shellfish and blah blah blah? And I'm like, folks. These are general equity questions. I just, I just, I just that, don't eat it because I just don't like the way it tastes. I love shellfish. Uh, no, that, it's a that is a one of the dietary laws which are passed away in Christ. They're mm-hmm. they're fulfilled in Christ. Um, the uh, uh, but that's not the point. There are general equity questions in the Constitution, and one of the general equity question is: 
can the government force you to do certain things that interfere with the running of your household? Like having a party at your house and requiring people to wear a mask. Well, I guess when you live in Ohio, the answer to that is if the governor says so, then they're going to try to enforce it. Yeah, well, guess what? Um, It's not working. Um, People aren't doing it. Uh, We had a party out here last weekend. and um, Shameful. um, Shameful. I know. And uh, guess what? We didn't require the wearing of a mask, and people would come in with a monomer like, do I have to wear this? I go, not here, you don't. No. If you want to, if you feel comfortable with it, wear it. If you as your, want, con- as your, conscience, as your dictates. conscience dictates, you know, do you feel sick? Do you think all of us are sick? No problem. Then there you have it. And guess what? How many of them left them on? Probably zero. Zero. <laughs> Probably zero. Zero. Yeah, that's true. Um, now, that being said, the Constitution is under siege, especially the first uh, six amendments, really, uh, um, and the ninth and the tenth. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, that's the, the 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 poison fruit of the Barack Obama presidency. Uh, he was a micromanager. He basically knew what was going on and did not order his people to stop. Right. Knowing full well what the law was. Now, and according to what happened here, because when they started working on the declassification of these documents... Basically, it showed that former Director Brennan went and briefed Obama on this whole thing. Now, here was was how they were briefed on it. They were briefed that basically that this was a plan to tie the then-candidate Trump to Russia as, quote, a means of distracting the public from her, that's Hillary Clinton's, use of a private email server, unquote. Yeah. I mean, illegally, by the way, a violation of the Espionage Act. Yes. <laughs> to use this private server for internal uh, State Department emails. If you think about it, it's one of the most grossly irresponsible things you can do. Yeah. We have a we have a high degree of uh, in here in my business. We have a high degree of security. We don't have anything like they have through the State Department. Now, what's the reason that Hillary Clinton would have wanted to avoid using State Department uh, networking to do correspondence with the people that worked for her? Maybe she wasn't using it for that. Uh, Or Or maybe she was using it to avoid having her documents become public record. Congressional oversight. Yep. Congressional oversight means that those congressmen can subpoena those records and have a look at them because it's their job. Yep. And the way you bypass it is to keep the correspondence you don't want them to see. Now, why would you not want Congress to see some of your correspondence? Yep. As as an officer operating under the executive branch because all the cabinet... Uh, all the cabinet secretaries and such are under who? They're under the executive branch. They all have a, a specific set of uh, jobs and duties under the executive. So, in other words, they serve the President of the United States essentially in his stead. 
when when you hire when the president uh, hires or brings on appoints a secretary of one of those departments do you think he picks a guy who doesn't mostly agree with him or do you think he picks someone a guy a man or woman who mostly agrees with him or do you think he picks somebody who has his idea of foreign policy in mind especially for the state department uh, foreign and domestic policy to run that in the way that he basically sees fit which one the fact is uh, when you see a Republican serving in a in a Democratic administration as a secretary it's not because he's ultra conservative no it's because he's uh, a, a Republican serving in a Democrat administration it means he's mostly a rhino he's mostly on the other side anyway yeah, that's true. And that, th- there's a lot of those out there. There are a lot of those out there. Uh, you'll almost never see a Democrat serving in a Republican administration at the cabinet level. Almost never. Why? Because, for the most part, even when a president like George W. Bush, who was a fake conservative, is in office, he at least has to keep up the, the, uh, um, the facade that he is... Uh, got at least one conservative bone in his body. So you don't hire Democrats to get the job done because, A, philosophically, they don't get it. That's true. Uh, But there are lots of Republicans who see it the Democratic way, philosophically. So here that, that is what is going on here. Hillary was trying to hide from oversight now who who was she you know who was one of the main uh you know her 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 underling huma abedin who was married to um anthony weiner anthony weiner yep now what was one of the big problems anthony weiner's laptop yes that he was using to uh create and download pornography and do sexting with uh uh, numerous uh, females, uh, many of whom I think were underage, uh, it was found to contain all kinds of State Department confidential, top-secret State Depart- doc- Department documents. Now, what happened to Humo Bedden for this? Nothing. Nothing. What happened to Hillary for this? Nothing. Nothing. Where was that server located? It was in a closet of a small company who did internet service. Yep. The main, based out the, of Colorado somewhere. Ba- yeah, the main server. Yep. And they found all kinds of records on there. Mm-hmm. That's not the way that's supposed to happen. No, not at all. And Hillary knew this. Hillary knew this. She knew she was breaking the law, and she knew she'd get away with it. And so far, she's gotten away with it. That's what makes this so sickening. So in order to drag away attention from the fact that she had violated uh, federal law to the point that she should have had thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in fines and a jail term, she ginned up this this Trump-Russia thing and threw people under the bus, made sure that other people went to jail to serve her to serve her purposes right her and her underlings who also knew it was illegal and um 
uh, felt no guilt whatsoever that when they threw guys like uh, Paul Manafort and all these other guys. Now, if you want me to, to, to say Paul Manafort was as pure as a driven snow, and no. And uh, um, what was the Greek guy's name? Um, um, uh, they really tried to throw him under the bus. Um, and he, uh, they tried to make it look like he'd been bribed with uh, like $25,000. Oh, I yeah, I know you're. Talking, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, yeah. Oh uh, gosh, uh, it it doesn't matter. Basically, what happened was they gave him twenty five thousand dollars, for something other than what they were giving it to him for, and he said this smells funny, and he gave it to his attorney in Greece. Okay. Now he's American, but and his wife was a Russian. This is how they uh, tried to make the connection. Um. And he said, and he left it with his attorney. And when he got back in the United States, he was slammed by the FBI. The first thing they did was they arrested him right off the plane, seized his luggage, and went through it, and were like, "Where's the money?" And he's like, "What money?" Yeah, because he didn't have it. Did so he? then it was yeah. then, then it was a conspiracy, and they couldn't get the money. The attorney said, "Sorry, privilege, you can't have it." Yeah, that's right. Um, and as far he said last, I saw, heard an interview with him about a year ago. As far as I know, that money's still sitting in a safe in my attorney's office. Well, there you go. Um, this is the kind of nonsense that went on. Well, yeah, and, and honestly, it's just it's just ridiculous, Chuck. I mean, this this is nuts. Now, here's another thing that's going to be uncovered. My guess is uh, one of the things that uh, was a meaning that this has been alleged, and it'll pop up in the in the records if it's the case that Joe Biden was there, was in one of the meetings, and he said, you know, if we operate this thing correctly, we can maneuver them to the point where we can make a, the case for a prosecution for the Logan Act. Right. By the way, something no one has ever been successfully <laughs> prosecuted for, the Logan Act goes way, way, way back to, I think, to the 18th century, the end of the 18th century. It's basically uh, an espionage act or... or essentially acting as an agent for a foreign government while service in government. Um, and it's been threatened and threatened and threatened and threatened. And I don't think it's ever been successfully prosecuted. Ever. Uh, because, essentially, you usually find out that the guy who was doing it had the full knowledge of of people who knew what he was doing and it's like he was doing a diplomatic service um and that's what they tried to get i'll I'll come up to with this guy's name before too long um but uh um this and other people they were trying to to gin up a logan act yeah a violation and and under the suggestion of joe biden who claims he knew nothing about any of this now at this point with his cognitive abilities he may not remember ever having knowledge of this well maybe maybe not um uh, uh, to be fair mm-hmm. uh or as fair as i can be uh when i'm i'm i'll be quite honest i'm ginda i'm i'm worked up about this and uh this should have been done immediately following the ascension of donald trump to the presidency and yet they had the moles on the inside. This is what the whole drain the swamp idea is about. Okay. I'm going to read this little piece to you, Chuck. This is coming from the Federalist, okay? 
This is as a, uh, this is was put out this last week by Sean Davis um, from the Federalist, talking about this whole thing because what what kind of stirred this whole thing up was the Director of National Intelligence John Ratliff went and testified before Congress, and basically just laid it out because said, hey, you know, they did this stuff. Brennan went on the Hill and he he briefed them. They knew all about what Hillary was up to. So here it is, and, and in this paragraph it says, fired former FBI Director James Comey, who you've been talking about, and fired former FBI Counterintelligence Office official Peter Strzok. That name sounds familiar. Yes, it does. Worse, even sent an investigative referral on September the 7th, 2016. Okay? Hillary had kicked this plan off in July of 2016. All right? Regarding Russia's alleged knowledge of Clinton's plans to smear Trump as a treasonous Russian agent. Rather than investigate at the time whether Russian intelligence had infiltrated the Clinton operation's anti-Trump campaign and sowed Russian disinformation within it, the FBI instead used unverified gossip from a suspected Russian agent to obtain federal warrants to spy on the Trump campaign. I think that really sums it up nicely. That lays it out nicely. Instead of doing their job and investigating how, first of all, how the Russians knew about a plan that a candidate was was coking up against their opponent and knew all about it already, instead of investigating that as to what kind of interference the Russians had with the Clinton campaign. They went out and ginned up and lied to a FISA court to get a a wiretap warrant to spy on Trump's campaign as if all of these fake collusion document and this hoax Russia briefing paper were legitimate. Folks, there's only one way that happens. And that isn't a James Comey level decision. That goes up the chain. You bet it does. That has to go all the way up the chain. Yep. That isn't a, that isn't a oh, well, yeah, I'm going to use my, my best discretion on this and decide this is the way we need to handle this. This is one that you have to take all the way to the top. Well, okay. Where does it go in between with the FBI and the president? Who's in between? Well, you got the National Security, National Security Director, but you also have... The Justice Department. The Justice Department. Who yeah. was the head of the Justice Department? <laughs> uh, Eric, Eric Holder. Holder. That's right. Where's Eric Holder these days? Working these days? Clinton Foundation, right? CNN. CNN. Okay. The Clinton News Network. Okay. The Clinton News Network. <laughs> and who's busy out there poo-pooing all this? Why, it's Eric, Eric Holder, Holder, who could stand to be in deep, deep doo-doo he himself. He might be himself. You don't think Eric Holder didn't know about this when he was when he was head of the Justice Department under Barack Obama and the word got to Obama? You know he knew about it. You know he did. Now, you brought up something. <clears throat> speaking of someone who knew something about the, the Logan Act, uh-huh. here's something also from The Federalist. Written by Alex Plitzis. Okay. Uh, a recently leaked phone call between then Vice President Joe Biden and Ukraine, Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko directly after the 2016 presidential election shows that Biden sought to sabotage the incoming Trump administration before Donald Trump even took office and much worse. 
During the course of the call, Biden badmouthed the incoming administration, saying, quote, The truth of the matter is that the in- incoming administration doesn't know a great deal about Ukraine and that they were unprepared for the transition. This in itself is inappropriate, but it was meant to set the stage for Biden's next statement and future plans. Biden then told Poroshenko, I don't plan on going away. As a private citizen, I plan on staying deeply engaged in the endeavor that you have begun and we have begun. In a matter of moments, Biden undermined the incoming administration, branded them as not knowing anything about the Ukraine, and attempted to set up a foreign policy back channel for himself after he left office as a private citizen, which could violate the Logan Act. And most likely did. It not just could, it did. Yes. If you set yourself up as a diplomat at large with no credentials as a back channel, that's a violation of the Logan Act. Well, he wasn't the only one who was doing that at the end of the Obama administration. John Kerry tried to do that, too, didn't he? Now, the Logan Act bars private citizens from engaging in U.S. foreign policy, although its constitutionality remains questionable, and no person has ever been convicted of violating it since it was signed into law in 1799. So I was right, 18th century. Okay, great. Ironically, this is the same act that, at Joe Biden's suggestion, the FBI accused National Security Advisor Michael Flynn of violating. Right. As a result of a discussion Flynn had with the Russian ambassador to the United States around nearly the same time as Biden's call to Poroshenko. Which we now know didn't happen. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, we we now know that 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 was a complete and utter setup, so. Yeah, uh... Okay, Flynn was coming in as the National Security Advisor, the head of the NSA. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he was NSA head. What's the job of the National Security Advisor? He has to have his pulse on the foreign policy of the United States of America because the president relies on him knowing what the intelligence is. So who do you talk to when your head you're the incoming head of the National Security Agency. You talk to the ambassadors just to give them a yep. heads up. Yep, yes, you have to. You have to do that. I guarantee you that that when Barack Obama came in, his his NSA head, uh, his, uh, anybody who was involved, State Department, uh, anyone involved in foreign policy, had conversations with the Russian ambassador. But all of a sudden, it's a violation of the law, and the FBI did a setup. And uh, they used an old technique that the FBI has become sort of infamous for, and that is they used uh, they use a form. Uh, what's the form number? It's a 526, or I forget, I forget what it is. Right. They don't record your conversation. They take notes. It's. I think it's a three twenty. It's a. Th- it could be DD three twenty. I think is what it is. They don't take. They don't record. They take notes. Well, what what's the problem with that, Barry? We we live in the twenty first century. Yes, we do. Uh, you, you can you can fit hours and hours and hours and hours on a sixty four gigabyte mini chip. Mm-hmm. Yes. Record the conversation. But what hap- What we already know from Struck and Pages uh, um, communications that they altered those notes mm-hmm. purposefully. Now we've got a judge who was appointed by, I think he's a Clinton judge, uh, 
who won't dismiss the charges even though the Justice Department says we are not prosecuting this case because the case against Flynn is a gin-up. The evidence will not hold up in court. It would be an embarrassment, and in fact, it's a, it's a, it's a miscarriage of justice. Therefore, the judge won't dismiss it. Even though he's been ordered to do, he's been ordered to, it right. went back to him. Yep. The way the court ruled was, this is a disgrace, go back and re-rule. Well, he's already ruled, where I'm, I'm not dismissing the case. Well, now you take it back, that, and which is happening. They're, they've sought a, uh, to have him removed from the case. Uh, the Flynn's, Flynn's relentless defense attorney, um, who is who did a great job? Uh, yeah, she's done a great job. Um, but the fact is, this thing is ugly. This thing is beyond ugly. It's it's corruption. If you didn't believe in the swamp, read this stuff. It's out there, and and frankly, it's it shows full well what a lot of people have been saying for a long time now. I am looking forward to when these documents actually get dumped out there, declassified. Fully, fully open. I mean, Trump is, like I said, he's calling directly for those to be brought out unredacted. Yeah. Okay. So he's really going at it, tongue and toenail. Look, what what it, it's the the left and the press is already trying to figure out how to spin it. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. How do you spin it? Uh, you can no longer say conspiracy theory well, because well, when a conspiracy theory has overwhelming proof of its existence, it's no longer a theory. It's a conspiracy. True. Was there a conspiracy at the at the highest levels of government? Yes, but even worse, our government at the international, at the CIA level, conspired right. with a foreign, at least one foreign at least, nation. At least one, yes. The intelligence community in at least one foreign nation. Now, I want to see how Britain handles this because it's going to be clear that there's a major scandal involved dealing with their intelligence community who worked to bring down this a sitting president of the United States of America. Mm-hmm. And if nothing gets done about it, there should be diplomatic consequences. You would think You'd there think. would be something that would come up. Now, that, again, you said, how are you going to how are you going to spend this? How are you going to defend it? Well, yeah. okay, here's the first line. Michael Hayden. Remember that name? Yes. Uh, was a former CIA director under George W. Bush. Oh, gosh. Who's a never-Trumper and has publicly come out endorsing Joe Biden. When the when Trump did his tweets uh, off of his order about because he tweeted this out too. Trump says, all Russia hoax scandal information was declassified by me long ago. Unfortunately for our country, people have acted very slowly, especially since it's perhaps the biggest political crime in the history of our country. Act. In other words, he's ordering them to release it now. Yes. Okay? So, what happens? Hayden gets out there on social media and starts grumbling about it, and he gets into a fight on Twitter with Richard Grinnell. Oh, gosh. That's a mistake. Which is Trump's just recently former head of national intelligence. Uh, his temporary. Uh, yeah, he, yeah. Was a, he was the acting director of national intelligence before he, before he appointed uh, Ratcliffe. 
So basically, Grinnell had tweeted out this whole thing about Ratcliffe going to the Hill and talking about what just happened, what we just talked about, about the whole thing with Hillary's email servers and the cover-up and the fact that the Clinton campaign created the Russia hoax, paid for it, moved it, and that Obama knew it because the intelligence community and John Brennan went to the Hill and told them that it was happening. And that then they basically, as we said, probably committed crimes in trying to cover up the connects back to Clinton. So... Grinnell basically tweets that the report is proof that Obama and Joe Biden directed their administration to use the powers of government to attack Trump's campaign and his transition team. Fairly good case could be made for that. Oh, yeah. So what was Hayden's response to that, which is what you're basically saying, how do you defend when they open this up and it's all there and documented in black and white? Hayden, who had spoken out about Trump in the past and announced he was supporting Biden, responded to Grinnell, you're a blank blank, really. So in other words, he resorted to name calling, name calling which Ex- means he's with got expletives. nothing. With expletives, which means that he's frustrated because he's realizing game's up. Yeah, game's up. Listen, my first rule of all debate is the first person to raise their voice loses. My second rule of all debate is the fir- first person to personally attack the other person, whether ad hominem or a direct slur, is hiding something. Yeah. And you've just touched it. Yeah. So... What do we have from this? Could this go even beyond Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton? Why would Michael Hayden jump in here and get in the middle of all this? He wouldn't unless he had some knowledge. Unless there was something going on. I know there's something going on. Well, you know remember that old, that, what is it, Abba or somebody? Who, something going on. Something going <laughs> on. That was uh, um, Frida. Frida, which was one of the, one of the girls, girls from, from Abba. Abba. Yeah, it was, yeah. a, it was her solo. Uh, right. It was her solo song. Um, Strange how the labyrinth in turns my brain takes. Okay, <laughs> but anyhow, so so here's the deal, folks. This may be the October surprise, and the people that's going to surprise are going to be Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton. Trump could take out his two of his political opponents, his direct challengers to his. The campaigns and his presidency in one shot he could very now, good, think very about good. this barry we just yep. we just brought up the fact that there are never trumpers out there this guy is one of them yeah hayden is one of them and yeah. that that they were also involved in the dossier scandal that a number of them were yes they were directly involved in that thing or indirectly and were uh again it was ginned up originally they were going to use it um in the primaries so that might be able that might be surfacing soon as well. Absolutely could very my, well be. My guess would they would hold that back until after a reelection and then say, Oh, by the way, it wasn't just Democrats. Ah, oh, I see now there's that. I think that's what they're worried about. Because those of us who remember what went on, I said I remember when that thing came out and it was originally uh there was a piece in National Review, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh something like that. Uh talking about this this dossier and the problems with it yep i, I mean this is back in 2015 2016 way 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 back in the way back machine so um you know it's it things are going uh, things are going to hit the fan and it's it, believe me it's going to get real interesting between now and the third yes it will be so and we uh, guess what we're out, we're of, out time. of time of course <laughs> uh that being said you know what we think, and we really do want to know what you think. I would go out, if I were you, to principledpolicy.com. That's www.principledpolicy.com. 
And you can listen to uh, this. It'll be posted um, usually on the Saturday after it airs on WLRY. And um, um, you can make a comment. I just went out and made sure that it worked. Uh, it does work. And you can also share this on Facebook or on uh, Pinterest or wherever you'd like to share it. Um, it's shareable. I've gotten the share this uh, um, mechanism working. And uh, um, we'd like to know what you think. And go back and listen to some of our older shows. We'd like to know what you think on those as sure, well. absolutely. So, again, www.principledpolicy.com. And uh, join us again next week for another Principles and Policies.